Well, glad it worked and hope uh, people listening on the app weren't too bothered by that. You're going to be uh, less bothered now. I was, about to do 20, about. I was about to do 20 minutes. I was hoping you're restarting your computer. About to do 20 minutes on you being like too good of a dad with candy, which like you are where most American parents should be, including mine. And they didn't know about high fructose corn syrup and all this stuff. But like you guys, I was telling my mom the story about the Skittle deal. She's like, wow, that's pretty hardcore. She's like, you know what, though? Like, I'm glad someone's doing it. So did you guys actually make her give her bag away? Oh, I'm a pushover. Are you kidding of me? Course, I talk a good game and don't back up my threats with actions. I knew Viv would do that. And by the way, every good parent's like that. Well, she buttered me up also. She's like, because she doesn't really like hugs anymore. So let so so for people that didn't listen, y'all should listen. You know, we kind of have a stream of consciousness. So um Viv had been sneaking candy and Trey and Justine were gonna punish her and have not her just get- once. This is a repeated problem over the course of a year plus. No, I mean, with all the crime in America, it's been one of the top things on my mind. Well, you you know what? Look, if they're if they're not going to try and crack down on people stealing a thousand dollars or less worth of stuff from Walgreens in San Francisco, it's got to happen somewhere. She's not. You stole the Skittles from her. She got it in the swag bag, and you put a little bag of Skittles up there when most of us, including you, fat Frey as a kid, were demolishing stuff. Not even Halloween. It wasn't as much candy as it was pizza for me when I was at my practice. <laughs> okay. But yeah. still, to your point. Dude, I wouldn't crack those on heroin. Get it straight. It's like, all right. <laughs> but I'm glad y'all gave in. Like, I mean, she only has so many of these to go. Trust me, she's going to think y'all are so lame. Uncle Kevin's lame and everyone in the world's lame in about, what, four years? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Can we go minus two years? Maybe. She's too, she's too smart for her own good. She's like you and I were at that age, where we were already too wise to things. But there's also, I don't know about you, for me, there, I don't think there was an arrogance for me. I didn't have the self-confidence that she did. There's, there's like this arrogance that you know more than you actually do. So I'm constantly trying to tell her, look, you're really smart, but you will start to excel as a smart person when you recognize that there's a lot that you still don't know. Because at that point, you go from really smart and too smart to listen to others to smart enough to understand, oh, I don't know a whole lot about this, but this other person actually does here. So the reason Viv will probably be set for life at 28 is because she'll make a really, really smart decision at 26 and marry some guy who's dying who's worth like $100 million and never has to touch him either, Dad. It's why why for bedtime every night I tell her the Anna Nicole Smith story. (laughs) 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 And everyone with happy ever after, including your dad, who really needed some fucking money at that point. Now you are loaded. Um, No, I mean, but I want to hear how she buttered you up. Cause she's going to be, she's, she's super smart. She's good looking. Like she's going to be a terror for more than half my friends that are now getting taken to the cleaners. You know, I mean, I, 
I, uh, I've made some good decisions, bad decisions like anyone, but I look back and all my friends tell me you not getting married was a good thing. And for a lot of people that are married right now, there are great marriages, you included. So it's like that split of, do you get this half or this half? And if you get the bad half, you can really lose a lot of what you built. Yeah, you're right about that. So my, I don't know if you and I have ever talked. Oh, about I got Dre. It's nothing on that. He's like, yeah, you're totally right. But like, you're yeah. hitting, you're hitting dangerous waters here, kiddo. No, I, I just I'm starting to get too self reflective for a show where we're supposed oh, to. Oh no, you got a great marriage. You you are not my half of the buddies who call me and we're in bad marriages and and some of them are chicks too. And it's like, you know, I was making the money and this guy was cheating on me. And now, you know, it's not totally half, but like they've gotten to a point where, you know, if you're someone's cheating on you and you're making all the money, you should keep most of that money, guy or girl, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That situation. They're the Yeah, that's okay. That makes a lot of sense. But even in good relationships, it's like, you know, you, you can't help but to question things sometimes not to th say that I'm having existential questions about my marriage, which is what it sounds like. That's not the case. But it's like no relationship is perfect. I mean, you you and I have had the occasional uh, hiccup or ebb and flow. And like Justine and I are, are doing fine right now, but she is also uh just to put it bluntly like she is a much more successful person than i am i mean i spent the last year essentially jobless or doing contract stuff here and there while she's killing it in the medical profession moving up in her company and will that allow me to be more of a, a mr mom for at least this moment in time and try and enjoy getting to go to more stuff for my kids and hang out with them at school and be at all their practices and be at games and coach and be a volunteer parent at school. Like all that stuff is cool. But by the same token, uh, my pride also tells me that I'm not, I'm not doing enough on my end in terms of the earning. And this was up until a couple of months ago. And thankfully things have changed now to where you start to question yourself. And you and I have talked about this uh, away yeah. from microphones. And now I'm just uh, exposing way too much to the people watching and listening on Texas. No, it's real, man. It's real. And I think a lot of us have been there. And the cool thing about relationships now, that's why I said that. I mean, I've had two girlfriends that have called me like this guy, but you do so much other stuff and you're still doing stuff as you're doing it. I'm talking about someone who's just sitting at home and it's like, you know, and by the way, you can be sitting at home and taking care of three kids and doing the laundry and cleaning the house. And that is as big of a part of the partnership as someone being at work and bringing in money. Same um, with sitting around smoking weed, playing FIFA, you know, there that, that manifests itself in different ways. No, I mean, and that was part of the productive part I was talking about. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I, I think it's cool. You're being this um, vulnerable and, and genuine about it because, you know, I mean, I think most people have been in that situation at some point, but, you know, I want to make sure, and I'm not saying this because we obviously don't do this thing and are like real worried about feedback. Um, clearly, if you've listened, but um, <laughs> just wait until we, we talk about Bobby Knight. Yeah, oh God. Um, but I mean, there are, I just have a bunch of friends that at our age now are getting out of relationships and it could have been both their faults. No, like my parents, it's no one's fault. 
which is probably why the the ending and their friendship now is still really good. It's just like growing apart and you grow differently. And like that's that's life and no one cheated on anyone. And it was just kind of it is what it is. But you've got all these machinations of that. And then I, maybe not half, but a good portion of my friends are like you and Justine. I mean, you guys have a very healthy relationship and you go through these ebbs and flows and, you know, but you're, you're crushing it, man. Um, I mean, keep my advice would be, <clears throat> especially if you're on the end where you don't think you're pulling your weight financially, keep your head up, especially if you're doing stuff for the household, for the kids and also working on something that can be really good with what you do. You're doing everything you can. I mean, we, we've all been in spots where we're financially or whatever. You're just like, fuck, what's going on? Um, you know, you keep working hard and keep keep your ears open and eyes open like George Costanza when he was trying to get out of uh, work and uh, unemployment. You know, no, this is so cool. Um, it's not so much the, the looking, but the hearing. The hearing is as big as the looking. Not discounting looking, looking's big, but the hearing. No, but in all seriousness, like do both those things and you're already like on your way to crushing it. So, and Justine's just an awesome fucking badass wife and mom and person. So, yeah, all those things. Now, as far as the original question goes, she have a twin? I think I've asked that. I think I've asked her that like 25 times. Asked There's got to be some twin now who's like working in Dubai, you know, who's. You know, went to the financial medical part. I feel, really like key, I feel like the key is finding a nurse or a medical professional. Because I've met a fair number of her friends who are also on top of their shit. And it's like, oh, you, th this is why y'all do what you do. Because you're really organized and you're really on top of that side of things. But you also are compassionate and empathetic. Yep. And are constantly nature. about others and and doing for others and putting others in front of yourself, which as much as I like to think that I can do that, my natural inclination is uh, very self-serving shocking, breaking news to uh, anybody who knows me. <laughs> no, I mean, well, it's natural for anyone. It's not even a bad, I mean, it's human nature. So it's not even like something that I would ever, cause we, I have that too, but nurses and it's a maternal gene too. Well, I was about to say, I think it's a little bit biological also. Like guys are selfish. Like look at apes in the wild. Yeah. The male apes are some of the biggest slapdicks in the animal kingdom. Yep. Where they're basically just fucking with one another, slinging shit at one another, actually playing with the kids quite a bit, especially in uh, the bonobo population, whereas the females rule the roost. Yeah. And so a, a version of that well, look is at the humans too. And it's not black and white. There is a gray area for sure. Look at the feline species. Who does all the work? Feelage, yep. There's one exception. Gosh, what is the exception? There is one. Uh, of, the 30, uh, of the 38 big species? 38 yeah, species wanna... of big, big cats? Is it cheetahs? God, I can't remember. I'm going to have to look that one up. But yeah, most felids, the females go out and do the hunting. And they take care of shit. And the males just lays around all day, take naps, play with the kids. Right get themselves into all sorts of trouble and ha they have the mains too. So. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much Michael Keaton. If he wouldn't have run in the Olympics. <laughs> so the original question was, how did my daughter butter me up? 
Boy, this is a very revealing Longhorn Misfits this Thursday. Uh, have you ever heard of the uh, the term love languages before? There's like four love five languages. I mean, that is your yeah. love language. Yeah, I mean, so it'd be Spanish is one. No, I'm being serious. Like, like languages of like love languages, like very romantic languages. I'm gonna have to look this up now so I don't uh, butcher it. So a lot the there are five love languages based on this very popular book from 1992 by a guy named Gary Chapman. French has to be one. No, it's not it's not actual spoken languages. Oh. It is yeah. the five general ways that romantic partners express and experience love which are what the which is what we refer to as the love languages. The five are just shocking I'm single. And I'm like, yeah, it's got to be, you know, would Portuguese really count? No, I mean, there is a Brazilian factor. It's like, dude, you're way off. <laughs> is Latin one? That's dead. Well, love is dead for me, so I guess it is one. Um, no, the, the five love languages are... I know Chinese is not one. That is a harsh language. You ever heard someone in Mandarin propose to another person? Oh, no. I'm guessing Russian is very similar to Russian's very harsh as well. You know, it's like, what do you say? He said he loves her and she saved his life. Like, really? (laughs) You see, you see a Cantonese proposal. It's like, dude, do we need to call the cops? It's like, no, he just said she's the love of his life. And he's been waiting for this moment the rest of his whole life. Like, is he really Chinese? So the five love languages are words of affirmation or compliments, quality time, gifts, G-I-F-T-S. I can't say the T for some reason. Gifts, acts of service, or physical touch. So can you guess what my love language is based on those five? Compliments, quality time, gifts, acts of service, or physical touch? Quality time. No. Well, it's, not, it's, not, it's not physical touch. You hate physical touch. It is, though. That's the weird thing. Just like with everything else in, that I love in life, I'm very particular about it, though. Like, I am not a foot guy at all. I am very attuned to the fact that feet are dirty and disgusting. What do you, what, what do you mean foot guy? Like, There are people like, who are feet people. I know, but like, do you mean like sexually? Like, what are you, second toes here? Like, I mean... I mean, I don't like feet. I mean, because I'm, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I, I'm not into women's feet as much as Chad Hastings is. Um, and Chad is Chad. I, you know, we texted last night. I gave you some love, being a Rangers fan. Um, you're a foot guy, and it, it's perverted. Uh, I mean, he's definitely a foot guy in the closet, right? Is he even in the closet anymore? Like he was pretty overt about it. I felt like it. At no, he stayed point. in the closet because there's nothing but shoes in there. <laughs> that was too easy. So for me, I, I am generally, I don't, I don't feet gross me out. Like I'm a little bit OCD about my own feet. And like, if I, if my feet aren't clean, I won't put my feet into what are like newer, cleaner shoes. Or if I do, I have to go wash my feet in the bathtub first. Because I, I have, I actually, very, I actually do that a lot. I actually wash my feet underneath the, you know, 
the water and just like, yeah, I, I want clean feet too. Mainly because I suck my own toes. Well, that's just impressive. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't get there if I, if I was that perverted. <laughs> I mean, I, I am impressed with your dedication and I'm also impressed with your knee flexibility. If you really yeah. suck your own toes. I probably used to be able to but... get you into that category. Yeah, you know my hips. My hips aren't doing that right now. That's that's why I was extra impressed with your knee flexibility, but it turned out to be a, a dirty lie. But no, I, I am uh, mine is physical touch, despite the fact that I'm very particular with it. I don't like feet like my son last night. God, my kids, they're kids. So they have smelly feet, especially yeah. because we only had them showering every two or three days. And his feet smelled bad last night, but he loves putting oh, his feet yeah. on my leg. And I'm You're like, kidding hey, with that, right? the bottoms of your feet off my leg. I love cuddling with you, but you got to get your feet off of me. You're kidding about the every two or three days, right? Showering every two or three days. Yeah. Like you, they're kids, man. Yeah. Yeah, they are. You're kidding. You're fucking with me. You're trying to go McConaughey, Camila here. And you know, dude, body odor. It's like, it's a perfume for senses and all that, you know? I mean, like what? Really? Every two or three days? Yeah, they just don't, they don't need it every day. And and honestly, there's... Yeah, they do. They're what, eight and six? There's stuff in the soaps and shampoos that are also aren't great for them. Now, it is good to still... Like what? There are various perfumes and chemicals and dyes and even in the natural stuff. Like you, there is a, there is a natural microbiome that you want to... Um, that you want to continue to manifest through childhood until they get to puberty. And once puberty hits, then yes, you do need to start doing that on a daily basis because you do truly start to stink. But kids really don't start to stink for a couple of days based on my limited experience. <laughs> well, in the backyard, when you dig them up, like it's different. When what? I'm kidding. I was giving a serial killer joke about kids so that's oh when you dig them up in the backyard yeah i mean look once once things have decayed to a certain point the bones don't smell all that bad as long as the flesh is all gone is that what you meant yeah pretty much okay well do you remember the great joke with jeffrey dahmer what what they found in his bathroom no what i don't remember that no what is it what'd you find in jeffrey dahmer's bathroom well they found head and shoulders Oh, yeah, that's a good that's one. A, that was a good one. There were some good Dahmer jokes. Remember back then, right away, when there would be something that tragic and awful? And right away in school, jokes are flying. I yeah. mean, flying. The space shuttle going down, Dahmer, Bundy. What was the space it. shuttle joke? I don't remember that one. Chad had one. And, of course, Chad was, you know... Um, Bringing up Chad. So Chad Hastings, who we worked with forever, great guy. Um, passed up Trey when Trey got in a car wreck, but you know. Yeah, great, great guy. He uh, Chad's a great guy. We can admit that, right? Uh, Chad has great guy tendencies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding, yes. Crat Trey's Chad's totally messing around right now. I'm that is a great guy, yes. Chad and I actually texted this morning about the Rangers, too. Oh, no. He texted me back. He's like, I've got to get in touch with Trey. Like, Trey, you are, like, for a lot of us, like, the ranger guy to 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 kind of look at. Um, Which but. is funny because, like, I don't invest myself emotionally 
in this team anymore. Like even 2010 and 2011, I was fully ensconced in my Chicago life drink up. And so did, did I jump on the wagon once the playoffs got there? And was I paying attention through box scores and whatnot before that? Yeah, but I wasn't watching every game at that point in time, nor did I do that this year during the regular season. No, you didn't. So we'll get to that. But um, but yeah, so what was the point on Chad? Like, let's, let's tie this full uh, circle. Um, Chad's a foot guy. I'm not a foot guy. He's a foot guy, and so it's obvious, and we knew that. And Chad just did not want to overtly admit it. And Train, I made him on the radio, on air, just admit he's a foot guy. Hey, and I flip it up. I'm a hand guy. So I will say this. If you look at guys' hands... Like you can see my fingers going all different directions and wrinkled and just beat up the way they should be at 45. And then a, a chick's hand, like, I mean, that is, there are certain things outside of the Adam's apple and different things that like literally just are, are different and their, their skin's different. So I like that, but I'm also not sucking on fingers, you know, as we're doing stuff. Well then, now, I would well, argue if she was hot enough, but <laughs> well then I would argue you're not that big of a hand guy if you're not sucking on fingers. No, but the hand part is not that I want to do anything with it. it. It is the it just visually attracts me so much. You're, I see, you are attracted to that. Okay, and that's probably what Chad is to where I mean, you know, God knows, maybe he is. He's got you know pinky toes up his butthole. I mean, I have no idea, um, but. You know, and if he does and it's consensual, fucking go for it. Don't tell me about it. But <laughs> I think for him, it's more the visual thing. Got guys are very visual with that stuff. We you are. Know? We're visual creatures, and women tend to be more emotional creatures. Tend to be. That does. It's not not black. Just I'm gonna have to keep giving that caveat. It's not black and white. I realize there are exceptions to the rule, but uh, a a large majority are are that for males and females. So Viv totally sweet talked to you into getting all the candy. Yeah. So over the last going back to Monday or Sunday, I guess. So a couple days before Halloween, she all of a sudden started getting very, uh, she, she was more open to me, like giving her hugs and squeezing her and cuddling her a little bit because for the last couple of years now, going back to when she was six or seven, she hasn't been that anymore. And it kind of breaks my heart, but I also have to respect that some people are that and some people aren't, but she is somebody that from birth, like she would fall asleep on my chest sometimes when she was just a little, little froggy almond. And so I have this cuddly relationship with her from before she had any level of consciousness. Well, as a, as a child now, she doesn't like that anymore. And I respect that boundary. But she also knows how to uh, how to get to me. And she gets to me by coming up and volunteering hugs and telling me how much she loves me and coming up and just catching me by surprise with a hug and, and being really nice, overly nice. I told her she needed to tone down the niceness. But, <laughs> hey, look, uh, I like the sales act, but it's got to be close enough, all right? But I told her also, I'm like, look, like it's, it's maybe a little bit harsh to completely deny you Halloween candy, but if this continues happening, like we, we are done with candy in the house. So we continue to give you chances to prove that you are trustworthy. It's up to you to start following through on that. And you say that the allure of the 
pantry is too great when there's candy in there. Well, you need to start <laughs> you need to start thinking positively about that and giving yourself positive affirmations if you really want candy in the pantry and say, look, what I am she, she's like fucking eight or nine. She's nine, yeah. right? Nine. She's also she's really nine, smart she's too, nine though. Years old, Trey. You were three hundred pounds at nine. I wasn't close to three hundred pounds. I was a sack of potatoes, but it wasn't like three hundred. I'm pounds. kidding. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm exaggerating. Um. So yeah. So she she buttered me up, and and ultimately I was probably heading in that direction anyhow. But uh, my kids had good Halloweens. It was fun. Hilariously, even though I was trying to avoid any sort of spoilers for Game Four. We were heading back. In- yeah, no call, no text. I'm waiting for you. I'm like, dude, here's they're up huge. Here's why. Because we were heading back to the house at the bottom of the third. And I had just gotten done saying to everybody, because we passed by a house that had a big screen on outside as they were handing out candy. And I like made it a point to plug my ears and shield my eyes from the television. All right, I've made it this far. I'm going to make it all the way home without the game being ruined. And Justine thought it would be a good idea just to check on the score of the game, which she did. And then Vivian responded, oh, my gosh, the Rangers have 10 runs? And I said, what? And Justine said, nothing. I said, were you just checking the score of the game? And she said, yes. I would have taken away the candy at that point. Tempting. But I was also really happy that the Rangers, I, so I had to, I'm like, look, just tell me now. Are the Rangers, like, what's the score? 10 nothing Rangers. All right, well, if it was 10 nothing Diamondbacks, I probably would have taken the candy away. But at that point, I knew that I could kind of fast forward to the, to the scoring plays of the game through the first three innings and then just play catch up that way and just be completely caught up by the time we got to the bottom of the fourth or whatever. And so, yeah, she earned, she she didn't earn her candy back. She uh she she uh, understood how to pull my strings to get her candy back a couple of days she ago. Bullshitted, and she bullshitted her candy back, and 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 boy, her future is very bright. She had a shitty couple of days, though. I will say, she had to sit in here with me for a couple of shows instead of watching television, and she was completely denied desserts all weekend too. So. There was a punishment, but we also, we want her to know that we're always in her corner and we want to continue giving her chances to prove herself as trustworthy. And as I tell her, like, once you lose somebody's trust, like it's done, like whether you're talking about a friendship or a relationship, it takes a lot to get that back. We are your parents. So our love, and I guess in the end, our trust is pretty unconditional, but you've fucked up majorly up to this point on a on way too many occasions in the last year and a half now be more honest with us please like if you get in trouble stop saying you didn't do something when it's very clear that you did yeah. own it and the likely punishment will be significantly less as a result agreed i mean you're, you're being good parents so but I mean, what are, what I mean, how many times did you and i try and get out of something knowing we were guilty as a kid like little small shit Trey a lot. I mean, come on. Don't, don't, the best, you don't the best, the best example that I can think of. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't doing a bunch of fucked up shit when I was a kid. Now, was I waking up when everybody was asleep and my bedroom was on the other side of the house. And it just so happened that the video game room, which should have been a dining room, but it's where we had our video game set up was, is right next to my bedroom. And 
separate from my parents who were at the opposite end of the house and even my brothers who were through a couple of closed doors? Would I wake up and play video games for several hours on a school night? Yes, I would do that. The food thing was not me sneaking food necessarily. It was just a matter of um, both of my parents being busy and separated at a certain point. And it was just easier to do pizza more nights than not. And if you eat pizza enough for nights in a row, you are going to get fat on the pizza, especially as you're starting to go through puberty. But the best example of me doing something where I had to play it off or I just never fessed up to it to my parents. I may have I, I may have fessed up as an adult, but I was babysitting my brothers and we were I was 14 or 15 at the time. And one brother is two years younger than me. The other brother is two years younger than him. So there's a two and four year age gap between us. Well, me being the 14 or 15 or maybe even 16 year old responsible for my brother's. Send him to bed at a certain point, probably around nine o'clock. And shortly after that, one of my dad's friends called. And <laughs> so I used to like to answer the phone, Domino's Pizza, can I take your order, please? I did the same bit, yeah. Yeah, it's a simple bit. But my dad's friends. <laughs> or do the Gaddings one in Austin, which is great. Call 459-2222, get a Mr. Gaddings to deliver. <laughs> Real cheese, right? Real bullshit is what you got. Real dada, real fast. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the rest of it. Mr. Gaddy is one for your last. Yeah, probably will be. Uh, I think the last remaining Mr. Gaddy's actually, there's a couple. There's one in Round Rock and there's one really close to us that's delivery only. It's like if you don't have the buffet, what's the fucking point of Mr. Gaddy's? That, that was it. It was a buffet chocolate pizza. It was never good pizza, but it 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 was right off B Caves. I think that's a Canes now. Well, you oh yeah, you're right about that. I know which one you're talking about. Well, there was also the one next to campus that we went to all the time our first yep. couple of years at UT. Yep. Because it was we that meal where you can just fill up. What was the chicken place right under the Castilian? Not chicken. It was pizza. It was, uh, was that Dave's? Oh, uh, not super Dave's double Dave's double Dave's. Yeah. Yeah. Double, double Dave's, Dave's even today. If I'm out South, I will get their cheesesteak wrap. I forgot what it is. Like stromboli. Their pizza rolls. The pizza, no. rolls, were the, the pizza rolls were the one thing worth ordering at double Dave's. Their pizza. We used to order those. We used to order those all the time, man. Yeah. Now the pizza, and, their, their pizza rolls are legit. I will give them love for that. The pizza is awful, or it was awful. I haven't had it in forever. But the that, it's not awful. great. But there is a, uh, there is Double Dave's. Like whenever I'm doing anything out south, I will stop by. Like it's that good. Where I'm like, you know what, this is, and it's one thing I get. It's the Stromboli. Getting it right now. I think it's the Stromboli cheesesteak hmm. and, and but it, it's wrapped up like the pizza rolls though yeah but bigger oh and, the Trombo a stromboli okay yeah i'm sorry yeah, yeah. no it, it it's good so you gotta pick and choose on places like that let me see here sandwiches again yeah. i want to go by here never reason to go by there yeah philly cheesesteak stromboli Okay. Large 16 bucks will feed you forever. 
Season steak, mozzarella, white American. There we go. Now we're checking Joaquin. <laughs> See, if I'm doing food like that nowadays, though, I'm not I'm not wasting my time on on a double Dave Strumbrol. Yeah, but I also do food like that a lot more than you. That's fair. You do. So, like, I'm not, this is not my once a year going out, you know. I've always said this, like, I've realized from 30 on, my married buddies, not all of them, because wives may be listening, but a couple of them are the most dangerous guys to go out. I'm single. And even when I've had relationships, my relationships are she'd go do what she wants and I'll do what I want. We should be in communication. I don't want you to be out like fucking guys on 6th Street or me be out, you know, so you're in Chicago. We haven't talked in three days. You just screwing escorts. Well, I mean, escorts is a technical term, but um, no. So like I want to be in communication, but I, 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 I can do whatever I want whenever I want. So I have to have self-discipline, right? When you are structured, like with family and wife, and this is getting back to your deal, you're in a really good spot Um, because you'll come out with me and we'll go hang out. Justine will come out. We'll hang out with the kids. Like we can do all of it. Right. And then you and then I know she'll go out with her girlfriends and you won't be out. That it's good when you're in a good spot, but there are select few that are so structured. They've got like eight hours to go party. And it turns into spring break at 42. Like, dude, do do you really want to go do all this right now? Like, let's just go get a drink and like, we're okay. You know, bachelor parties are very revealing in that regard. And that's not to say all married guys act like this for bachelor parties, but you can tell the guys who are in most with relationships, not just marriages, by the way, bad spots with relationships are the guys that end up the sloppiest at the bachelor party where it's like, holy cow, bro, what are you projecting right now? Because there's no way you enjoy being at a strip club this much or you enjoy being at the bar this much or you just want to talk to that uh, that randy, random homely-looking chick on the edge at the edge of the bar just to get... Uh, just to get <laughs> you know. No, I mean, and that's fine with me. Like, go do what you do, you know? I'm not here to rat anyone out. And if you're just talking to a chick, like, you know, that's okay. Maybe you're trying to rediscover some game. But it's the more strip club escort. Let's get blow, like, you know, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll smoke a joint if we're at a spot where we're done for the night. I've got old, man. I'm not a fun guy to party with at all. You know this, like, I mean, you've, you've had dinner with me and I've had one glass of wine in two hours. Like, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not the guy I used to be. He's not the man he used to be, pretty much, you know. Uh, I do need to ask you, by the way, since you now know what the five long languages are, none of them have to do with Cantonese, Mandarin, or Russian. What is your love language? Words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, or physical touch? All right, go slower. Words of affirmation. Quality time. Gifts or presence. Acts of service or physical touch. Physical touch. Huh. You know, Bill Burr said it perfectly. Um, He's like, there's something about a woman's voice. You know, know, past 10 feet, it sounds like two birds fighting over a French fry. (laughs) They get in your ear. And whisper something and your dick's hard right away. 
So that's my romantic touch on that. Uh, Anytime you know I'm quoting Bill Burr, you know it's getting romantic. Uh, Bill, yeah, Bill Burr is hilarious. Have you interviewed him yet? No, I never have. I'll never get the chance to with him either. That that ship has sailed, unfortunately. He's too big now to uh, to need to have conversations with uh, some random uh, radio host slash YouTuber in Austin, Texas. But I'm I'm starting to uh, lose that grip with comedians on the whole, though, especially here in Austin. The problem with Austin being the stand-up mecca now is that you have a bunch of comedians who have podcasts, and so whenever a comedian comes to town, they're they're essentially booking their days with appearing on other people's co- podcasts. And so I can occasionally get away with setting up an interview if tickets haven't been sold just yet, because things are selling out so quickly here too, they, they don't see the need to do a a live local show anymore to, to help sell tickets. And it makes logistical sense. My hopes, my hope is that when I show all the people that I've spoken with and I can show them examples of the types of conversations that'll be had, that there will be a willingness there. Like there would be some random fucko who does stand up comedy at Creek in the cave weeknights but hasn't exactly established themselves just yet. God, we need to get you hooked up with Rogan, man. I would love to smoke a J with you and Rogan. But like, I mean, because because you are the guy. You are the guy in Austin. You're the guy. I mean, most of us would say the best interviewer we've ever heard. And so you should be on that. You should have a compilation of all your good stuff over the years and show it to him and be like, this is who I am. You're not getting bullshit. Like, this will be good for your product and my product win wins don't happen very often very often certainly in business i've got a plan we'll see if i can pull that off in the next 6 months or so he's on that hey. bucket list too another person on that bucket bucket list is ricky williams and there's a chance i talk to ricky williams tomorrow at covert b cave yeah um Ricky and I, you know, we still follow each other and I haven't talked to Ricky in forever, but we have a good relationship. I, I got squashes. I got to call Ricky and just be like, bro, like you and I vibe in different ways. Trey would vibe the same way. Like, I don't know what, what you did to get blocked by Ricky. Well, that that's the thing. I don't either. And I've, <laughs> oh man. I, I I'm sure you've thought about it. Yeah, well, I've asked people. I'm like, seriously, like, tell me, tell, please tell me what I've done. He's my favorite college football player of all time, and I've done nothing but support him on social media. I don't go overboard with liking everything. I don't send him direct messages. But I clearly either said something on Twitter or maybe said something on the airwaves where he's like, fuck this asshole. I don't want to hear anything uh, from him anymore. Dude, you and I talk, we talk so much, and we'll say we are very much us, which is you actually should like, and I think people listening right now do because it's somehow a rare commodity. Just be yourself. Um, but it's the same way I treat people. I've got friends that are Trump people. I've got people that are Biden people. I've got people in between. I'm not going to like defriend you because I don't agree. With, you know, like that's just very, you know, our society's gone there way too much. And I'm not saying this about Ricky. He probably, whatever he, blocked you for is probably totally accurate but uh, but but you and i will say a lot of stuff and i know that there are going to be people on both sides that either like that and then dislike something and sorry we're human like we're not going to be aligned 100 percent, nor should we and if it's something that's so flagrant 
and that offends you so much with the way people are offended now, there's probably a much better chance you need to look in the mirror and say, am I getting offended too easily in drawing lines in the sand where I, when and where I probably should? Yeah. That was very well said there. And it almost certainly has nothing to do with my admission that as a freshman at the University of Texas, when email was just becoming a thing, I took Ricky Williams at utexas.edu because he was my favorite college football player going into my freshman year. And I didn't realize that you needed to use your own name for email. Yeah. In, in fairness, back then, for people hearing that now, they're like, dude, you're obviously trolling him and taking his rights. We had no fucking idea what email was. Like, you just created some. I was UT Squirrel Texas edu because the ut squirrels had big nuts and i just had testicular cancer and i thought perfect i was ut squirrel one or ut squirrel the whole time there we it was kind of a funny nickname it was like a laser tag name at that point wasn't it yeah that, that's what it felt like exactly because that was the era of aol too where it's like everybody was trying to be creative like that even though you realize that ultimately it might hamper you because when you're not high school or college age anymore, it's going to look really fucking unprofessional. And so that's why you eventually get your uh, more professional sounding email account. And some of us maintain those other accounts too. Yeah, I've been told that about my Twitter handle. I don't give a fuck about Twitter. If I, if I were to no longer do this tomorrow, the first thing I would do is cancel my social media accounts. Yeah, I wouldn't cancel it. I mean, I have thought about it. There's so many pros and cons and a lot. And, the pros are all individuals. So I've met friends. I've uh, The actual news substance is not something that I really care about because I'm not a real-time person. I'm more of the opinion two days after a person. I don't value people that break stories. I value people that evaluate stories and with everything in life. So that doesn't kill me. I don't need to know that Matthew Perry died an hour ago. You know? You were one of the first person one of the first yeah. funny who- enough i saw it on twitter and text trey i'm like or called trey i'm like hey it's just seen that because i really like break some news because nothing fires up human beings more than breaking news to people they don't know about when you know it'll make them really sad put her on facetime <laughs> well you were one of the first people who put the whole not being the first to break something but making sure that when you do talk about something that you are accurate with what you're saying. That whole idea. I, yeah. I realized I believed in it. You were the first one to put that like I needed to hear it to where it made total sense to me. So credit to you on that one, I guess. Uh, Sorry, they're doing yard work out here. Um, can you hear that? I can hear it a little bit. It's not too bad, though. Uh, uh, just sounds like a vibrator is uh, accidentally got turned on in a, a dresser drawer or something. Well, two things can happen at once. <laughs> hey, do some sell shit here. All right. I'm going to try and see if I can't mute this a little bit. Oh, good, buddy. All right. Uh, he is attempting to do that. I did want to let you people know about my friend Steve and Pest Wranglers. You know Steve is Cooter on the YouTube comments line. Steve is a great guy, though. Pest Wranglers has been in business since 2006. In that time, he has done a great job of figuring out the best way to take care of those pest problems in homes and businesses. But Steve founded the company based on 
his value for relationships. He makes sure to treat his employees well. Therefore, his employees make sure to treat the customer well. How do I know that? Well, I know that because I have checked out all the five-star rating reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. Pest Wranglers make sure to take care of the customers. They don't require you to sign up for contracts. If you're unhappy with the service, you can cancel right then and there. No additional charges. Go to pestwranglers.com. Find out more info. You can also find the contact info there. And uh, yeah, Pest Wranglers, they support Texas Sports Unfiltered. So we want you to do with Pest Wranglers. And uh, we also need to give some love to Great Blue Hair and Furniture as I pull that one up there. Great Blue Hair and Furniture makes some of the best furniture around. They have been doing so, once again, for a long time. And Great Blue Hair and Furniture, they started in 1991. They focus on heavy leathers, hides, and fabrics ranging from traditional Western to modern farmhouses. And this stuff is beautiful. You cannot and will not find more stylish, more comfortable, and more well-built furniture anywhere out there. There should be a link in the YouTube video description for those watching this right now that takes you to the Texas Sports Unfiltered Collection. Even if you're not necessarily looking to buy something, click on that link. Check out the Texas Sports Unfiltered Collection. But if you are wanting to buy something, make sure you use the Hook'em promo code, Hook'em, all one word. That'll get you 15% off your purchase. If you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last for decades, look no further than Great Blue Heron Furniture. Check that link for more info or give them a call at, uh-oh, where'd it go? 866-247-9688, 866-247-9688. I know Kevin and I bullshit about all sorts of things. It's why, in my opinion, these two hours that we do a couple times a week are so entertaining selfishly but i think for you people as well we will talk a little football here before too long getting into the longhorns big matchup with kansas state on saturday also talking about what is maybe the best college football slate of the season up to this point and then also what looks like is shaping out to be a, a decent nfl slate too including dolphins chiefs in germany I despise these early morning, these early Sunday morning games in Europe. And I get it that we're only going to get more of these things as time goes on, but it doesn't mean that I have to like these things. But Chiefs and Dolphins will be kicking things off Sunday morning, bright and early. And, uh, but the, the college slate is a really good one. And it's interesting. And I guess it's necessary that Fox went with. Texas, Kansas State is its big noon kickoff, which of course is a big 11 a.m. kickoff central time because there's a lot of intrigue in this game. Yes, Texas is going to be relying on an inexperienced quarterback in Malik Murphy. Uh, they have uh, slipped up a couple of times in the last three games now, and they have one loss to show for that, that of course being at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas a few weeks back now that lost to Oklahoma. And even though they did get back to winning ways against U of H, even that win because of what happened uh, midway through the second quarter into the fourth quarter of the game, allowing the Cougars back into it, had people asking more questions to go along with Quinn Ewers injuring his AC joint, forcing Malik Murphy into action. And then Malik Murphy 
Wasn't a great performance. Wasn't a terrible performance against BYU last week, but the rest of the team seemed to get its act together, especially on defense. You're seeing better communication, guys flying around, and dudes who had really struggled for a couple of games getting back to uh, more consistent ways, thinking of guys like uh, Jalen Ford. I think the defensive backs had better games last weekend, but this Kansas State team poses a, a much different challenge than a BYU team that even at 5-2, and two, that uh, that record was misleading if you were going on a statistic as simple as wins and losses, Kevin. Totally agree. No, it's a different deal this week. Kansas State hadn't played many people, um, so there's always that. But uh, I rewatched their game last week against Houston, and <clears throat> they're functioning at a high level. One of the guys who we were recruiting was Cooper Beebe. And the funny enough, the best lineman in this game, and I love, I think Kelvin, Kelvin's got to get better at run blocking. He's 19, he's a sophomore. He, he, the guy works his ass off. Like everything's there, body and everything. He'll get there. He'll be much better probably in three weeks, be better next year, but still grading pretty highly. Christian's been great on, at the right spot. But Cooper Beebe, the left guard for Kansas State, is the best lineman. In this in this game, offensive lineman, I should say, because Savandria Sweat's the best defensive lineman, and they've played him in a five technique, shaded outside. We'll see if they go up against each other, but those are two first round guys going up against each other. Kansas State's offensive line is very Kansas State, very experienced. Outside of BB, there's not a first or second round guy there, but I was impressed. You know, Will Howard got. Avery Johnson got two snaps in the first half because Will Howard was just flying through. And their backs have gotten better, so they had to replace Deuce Vaughn. And they've got a bigger guy who's a pretty good back. DJ Giddens, yeah. He, he's yeah, bigger, he's but, pretty but physical. He can go, too. He can go, too. So the receivers have never been great um, outside of the different – guys they've had what's the same last name they had for 25 years 30 years lock like lock it yeah the uncles the brothers the nephews like grandkids will be coming up soon they don't really have a guy like that they've got a couple guys that can go i'll look them up because i mean i i rewatched the whole game and focused in on them it's a it's a their their fits are tight with their linebackers like, it's a very much a Kansas State team, a team that could easily come in here and win if Texas doesn't play well, and you've got a second-game starting quarterback. They are a dynamic team running the football who are a capable throwing team, too. The receiver to know about is another little guy. It always seems like Kansas State has one of those little guys who is uh, very shifty. Not as talented as, like, a Tyler Lockett, but Phillip Brooks is that guy for this receiving court. Yeah. Also... They have a really good tight end. Now, I believe he wears a fullback number, so it yeah. might be misleading. He, to wear, he, he wears number 45, and he's an H-back fullback tight end, and he's legit. Yeah, I mean, he he, he does not go out for uh, on routes like a fullback. He goes out like a tight end. You will see him downfield. Yeah. You'll see him making nice catches. But he blocks and, uh, like he, a fullback. Yeah, he, 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 like he literally looks like a fullback, too, but he plays more like a tight end. It's a strange thing to watch, and I think very fitting – of a uh, of a competitive Kansas State football team to have a guy like that on their roster. Totally agree. No, he he, he definitely stood out. Um, Eighty six had a good game. Another tight end. You no, know, they're very much a Midwest team. 
So Notre Dame's at the top of the level with Ohio State, Ohio State one, Notre Dame two of Midwest schools that get really high level guys. And you get good offensive linemen, white corn fed kids. You've lived in the Midwest, man. You know what it's like, like when you go to the buffet deal, like the buffet gets hammered on that deal on Sunday. There are some big, large neck, just people. And they've got big tight ends. They've got big white guys with Polish and Irish last names who are six, seven and can jump and play basketball. And that's kind of, you know, it reminded me of the smaller version of that, which is what K-State's always been. But they develop and then use those guys really well. And it was very much a K-State team. And I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, defensively, they are pretty disciplined. They're light up front. They're light through the linebacker too, though. And that is evident. But they're good good at linebacker, man. They got white guys that may not be Mark Simino or Travis Oaks, but guys that can really fit, read, react, and fit, and then tackle. Those four things, they do that. By the same token, they have been gouged through the air and on the ground at times this year. Ollie Gordon the third, who has turned into one of the uh, the bigger surprises at running back for Oklahoma State in the Big 12 and in college football, too, for that matter. I mean, he leads the country in rushing. Uh, he had a great game against Kansas State, which I think speaks to Steve Sarkeesian's need to being a little bit more committed to the run this week. You don't need to complicate things. I realize that you want to get your quarterback comfortable. I'm not saying don't throw it all, but... Your run game, even with subpar blocking at times with that rushing attack, can still be a valuable weapon here, a valuable resource. Leaning on Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter, getting Savion Red in there a little bit, and then letting Malik Murphy operate more off of play action. Even if you aren't having success running the football early on, Kansas State assumes that you're going to do that, so they will get sucked in on play action opening things up a little bit more for Malik Murphy as he still tries to feel his way as a starting quarterback for this team. Yeah, I mean, agreed. But I also think that Sark probably realizes what we see, what we talked about on Tuesday with PFF and just every other analytic in our eyeballs. You know, it's amazing how good of a running team they've been considering how bad the run blocking has been. And once again, we to get nuanced and a little layered uh, zone blocking, which they do better and more of, is hard to always really individually grade that out. But it shows you how good Jonathan Brooks has been. And I think this is a defense where you can't just rely on inside zone and scheme or setup or Brooks making the difference. I would actually try and get to the edge a little bit more than we typically see Texas do because they are undersized at both defensive end positions. I agree. Linebackers who are willing to shoot gaps and willing to come up and and help out on the edges. I think that is an area where the Wildcats defense can be exploited this weekend. I agree. And I would also, because of those edges you talked about being light, you know, I mean, I, I'm just guessing with the lack of of uh, creativity with the run game and the scheme that there are things that we see with analytics that these guys are not good run blockers and man to man don't match up real well. So I don't maybe don't want to pull my guard and tackle with the center having to close down, and I don't feel comfortable with that because Sark would should definitely use that. Should he used it? probably against OU and Houston, but he hasn't. So 
I'm giving him credit where he's seeing everything we're seeing and saying, there's some things I can't do, but this would be the game to try it because they've got light edges, Trey. Look, I realize that that he sees how his linemen are grading out as run blockers, but he also needs to recognize that he had a running back last week that averaged 6.1 yards a carry and didn't get 100 rushing yards when he had a guy starting his first game at the collegiate level. Like sometimes your running back can help transcend average to below average blocking. We saw it, although the offensive line was decent the year Deontay Foreman had 2,000 yards rushing. Deontay Foreman got 2,000 yards rushing because he has insane vision and the ability to slip through a crease and then get to that top-end speed in the snap of the fingers despite the fact that he was a bigger dude. Jonathan Brooks is one of those types of guys as well who can take a little and do a lot with it. Right. No, I mean, which the numbers show that. You're not 23, if you just want to go PFF, 23 in rushing and 83rd in run blocking. And you and I have the same skepticism or realistic take on any of the grades, whether it's one human or that. And you go, okay, but that's close enough that it does match our eyeball straight. They, they're just not very good with run blocking. And a lot of it is Brooks making a guy miss with inside zone. The great thing about inside zone is that Brooks gets the ball. It's a quick turnaround. There's zone blocking, and he just reads it and goes, right? So he can bounce that out. It's not an outside zone, which we most people would see that with. Um, go back to Mike Shanahan, really that movement or McVay going that way. So it's more just you make the the cut and go, and he's made a lot of guys miss, and he's been good. I don't know if we can do that with Kansas State, and they're going to have to throw the ball down the field more, even with Quinn. Go to the analytics. 40% or within five yards of the line of scrimmage? Like 40%? Like you're going to have to throw your curveball a little bit more, dude. Yeah, and I imagine that even though uh, K-State runs with those three safeties over the top to keep you from beating them over the top, they will commit at least one of those guys to coming closer to the line of scrimmage because they know that Steve Sarkeesian is most comfortable calling plays from Malik Murphy right now where he is throwing it at or behind the line of scrimmage. That, but also, I think because of that, but also Malik Murphy being in there, that I think you see a lot more not one high, but two high and where you can go take chances and you probably may, may get some just straight man to man coverage and where strong safety is coming in for maybe a run, what they think is a run play. This is where Sark has to guess well and guess against the other team and coordinator, which he's been pretty good at. Defensively for Texas, what do you think the key is to them slowing down this K-State offense on Saturday. Will Howard's gotten his act together since that Oklahoma State game. It helps when you've got competition breathing down your neck. And Avery Johnson has shown that he's an electric runner and also a capable passer up to this point. Now, he actually wasn't very good running the football against Houston last weekend. Okay, throwing it. But Will Howard, to the point you made earlier, was so good as a thrower and also running it at times, which you know Colin Klein is going to get the quarterback involved in the run game when he can, when the quarterback has the skill set to do so. Uh, Will Howard is, is back on track as that guy, as uh, one of the leaders of this offense right now. 
Yeah, no, they um, they run with both Howard and Johnson. So Johnson fumbled one of those two snaps in the first half, and Howard was rolling with it. So, uh, you know, but he's been playing a much bigger part. They both run. Howard's bigger as a runner. He's 6'4", 230 or something like that. So he can be more inside the tackles. Johnson gets more perimeter. But Giddings, I believe, is the back, 19, right? Like yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah, he was a big physical guy, but also had a little wiggle. Um, really stopping their run game, and that that's where I love this matchup. The UT run game with analytics, overall stats, they've been great. Um, third down is going to be huge. Kansas State is third in the country in third down conversion, and a lot of it is they get in third and two, and they've got running quarterbacks. And you know me, you know, you played a dynasty with. You get mobile quarterbacks in third and two, bro, it's over. Like, because we get to fourth and inches, I'm running the same shotgun, not power, but, you know, option power with guys moving in motion and we're sealing off an edge and a guy's diving for three inches who's an athlete. We can get that done. So that that worries me a little bit, but their run game against UT run defense is a great matchup. The You know, UT is so funny because – Defensively, they're if you look at analytics, they're the best interior defensive line in the country, period. Hmm. On the edge, they've got some issues. Banks and Jones are as pretty much as good at two tackles, maybe some other ones in front of them, but you should be really happy having those guys. But interior in the interior offensively, they've got issues. The Kansas State defense, Kevin, is yep. they're all right, but they're really good in a couple of areas. So they've given up a fair amount of yardage this year. Now, not in the last couple of games as they played subpar competition. Houston, some suggest not as good on the road. I think it was also an emotional letdown for them after as close as they got to Texas, but still give Kansas State credit for uh, a blowout victory like that, including the shutout. They are really good, that Kansas State defense in a couple of areas, and it's areas that we've seen this Texas offense really struggle this year. Now, Texas offense has been better on third downs as of late, but the K-State defense is exceptional on third downs, and they're even better in the red zone right now. So this is strength on weakness right now, and hopefully Steve Sarkeesian and his coaching staff will have figured something out in practice this week, although we are – now eight games into the season, so you worry if uh, if this is something that is that easily fixable that can help them find more success when they get the ball inside the 20, but even more specifically inside the 10 or the 5. Yeah, so I'm looking at red zone defense. Texas is tied for 7th defensively. Kansas State, uh, they were high up there. I don't know. I can't find them here. Um, but... It's kind of weird, some, some of the matchups over there, 45th. Um, Texas has to be better, obviously, in the red zone offensively, and I'm hoping that they find different ways to do that. But with Malik, you may have to lean to some back shoulder fades. It almost feels like they're not throwing some of those balls that we used to always bitch about, but maybe on first down from the 11, give it a shot with A.D. Mitchell. And outside of this slant, you're running with a guy – it's hard to clear someone out when there's 11 yards. And so that's where they're running into a depth issue. And then that turns into the width itch, 
uh, width issue where the, because of the depth, they can do more stuff horizontally and there's just, you know, not much there. I mean, Sark has to dial up better stuff. That's why we hired you, man, period. We hired you for your offensive line. You're running the program well, but this is the separator that that we need from you. Like that stuff. Yeah, agreed. It is perplexing that it uh, has not been better up to this point. And it's, it gets harder for them now because you know he's going to be less comfortable throwing the ball into the end zone with Malik Murphy in there. He doesn't yeah. like throwing the ball beyond the line of scrimmage when he doesn't have to, certainly when the field shortens like it does when you're inside the 20 or 10 or 5 or right there at the goal line. Yeah, and and look, I mean, I get that, but you also know your offensive line. I mean, you, you had fourth and your first and goal from the one, and you couldn't blow away OU's defense, right? For anything. You couldn't scheme something up where once again you get an athlete and he just wiggles. Savion Red the next week or week after, but the first game after wiggled for a couple things. Cause he's a fast twitch, super good athlete. And you gave him just a little bit of space. And all he had to do was just move the shoulder pads and just a little hip wiggle. And guess what? That was the yard. Move the chains. Um, so, I mean, I I only bring that up because I think that's what the offensive line is right now. They're not good man-to-man blocking. They shade very well. Um, and that's why their pass protection has been very good. And they're good on screens that could be called as called runs. But they haven't since Alabama, like man to man, really done done that job. So work around that, I guess, right? Or get that better. But I don't know if you can in during the year. So the Kansas State defense has allowed opposing teams in the red zone twenty times this year, and they've only given up six touchdowns in that time. Five of the six, though, have been on the ground. So if there is an opportunity to try and exert yourself a little bit more physically, I don't want to get caught in that trap again. And we're running the risk of that rat that continues to shock itself to get the cheese. Maybe this is the one more week that you do try and and show your physicality when you get on the goal line. And maybe you do so by also spreading it out, putting a couple of wide receivers on the field versus bringing two defensive linemen into the game to serve as lead blockers. But uh, running the football may be a good option this weekend in the red zone. So going to the red zone numbers on NCAA.com right now, which are current. Uh, you know who's last 130 out of 130 in the FBS in red zone offense percentage? Red zone offense percentage. Who? Nebraska. <laughs> wow. TCU's 127. UCLA's up there. Um, because UT was here. Houston's up there. Uh Baylor. God, Baylor's bad this year, man. Yeah. You're looking at percentage right now? Yeah, UT's 100. Oh, I was about to say I don't see them on the third page. Yeah, second page. Bottom of the second page, 133 attempts, 16 touchdowns, 10 field goals. 
Yep, not good. Um, Got to be better this week. And look, I mean, Kansas State is no world beater. So understand that. I mean, if you do watch, if you watch any of their games, like the last two I watched, they make you know, kick the crap out of someone, but you also kind of get who they are. And defensively, you look at their grades, you know, they're not, Trey, like you said, it's not, it's just a very fundamental, good Kansas State team with a couple guys who can really play on defense and on offense, they have a first-round pick at guard. The line is experienced. The quarterbacks can run. They've got some athletes. They can beat Texas. And, shit, I may pick that right now. I'm going to wait until we pick on Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us are leaning Kansas State right now. You know, interestingly, in, in looking through and sorting the red zone offense numbers, because now we've started to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. This offense, not great in the red zone. They're also, I don't know, I guess this isn't surprising. They're middle of the pack in terms of red zone attempts. So they only have 33 red zone attempts on the year, which is tied with Texas Tech and Maryland. Is that UT? Yeah, UT. I actually think that's a good thing because they're one of the few schools that have scored 30 points or more in every game or whatever it is. So, yeah, the offense has left stuff out there, but that means I'm, when I'm they – I'm sorry, never, never yeah. that was That was misleading. They, they are actually – they're on the first page. All right. They're up there with 33 attempts. The leader is Georgia with 46. They are in the top – 25 i would say that that was just misleading my apologies that's all good um yeah so so you're taking kansas state right now i'm, I'm leaning towards kansas state yeah i just think uh, i'd love to see malik murphy take a, a huge step forward this week i think that helps texas win the game but i, I just don't know how possible that is right now against, as you said, a really disciplined Kansas State defense and a Kansas State offense that is going to do its scouting and see what has beat this Texas defense, including how to beat them on the ground. So yep. I think it was Paul Wadlington who wrote this a little bit earlier for Inside Texas. Like, don't be surprised to see Kansas State running some some, uh, some option with both oh. quarterbacks, but especially when Avery Johnson is in there because totally agree. Texas yeah. really struggled with the option versus Kansas. For some reason, Kansas stopped running the option nearly as much in the second half. But it's yeah. a great weekend in college football, Katie. As much as we have bagged on the Big 12 this year and the conference is very much down, this is going to go down as the best weekend in the Big 12. With one more round of Bedlam, and that game is in Stillwater too. And then... Kansas and Iowa State, and look, I still don't think Iowa State is that good, but they are 4-1 and one and tied atop the Big 12 standings right now, having played some of the worst teams in the conference during that time. And Kansas, even without Jalen Daniels for the rest of the year, this is a big moment for, the, for, for them to really assert themselves and to remain in the conference championship game picture, too. I think it's actually a great weekend. I mean, it just for me, selfishly, obviously, Kansas State is big. Notre Dame at Clemson. Yeah. Like, did you see Dabo and the caller? Like, Dabo is going full Mac Brown in 2010. Like, it, great 2010 was, no, that's exactly what it is. Where he's, you know, you know, you know what's up? I would for this, kids. It's like, dude, Mac, we love you, man. Like, this is like a troller. What's a troller? A midget? It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, kind of. Um, but 
you know, where like he's just getting sucked in on stuff he should not be sucked into. And, you know, he threw Cade under the bus. Cade, trust me, as someone who's been a Cade supporter and I'm still a supporter, Cade's played a lot better than you would think with the bullshit offensive line, no receivers, and honestly, like, it, the the play calling's been weird. And Cade hasn't played super well or even well. He's played okay, better than you probably think. How did he throw Klubnik under the bus? Klubnik apparently messed this one up. So this is on Cade. That it was the Miami game overtime and like the last play. And they'd been giving to Will Shipley, who they think's Herschel Walker. Um, but it's more Ryan Nunez. <laughs> and, you know, and he was getting stuffed because their offensive line outside of Putnam in the center are dog shit. Like none of them are NFL guys. They got no one on the outside like they used to have. And that was really the difference. Hmm. on the outside and quarterback because Cade certainly is not Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence yet, but he's not been the problem. They've got other problems. And so he kept it and got blown up on the outside. Should have kept it, should have given it to Shipley. And Dabo after the game said, well, that should have been a give the whole time and club Nick messed up. I'm like, dude, like don't, you know, just swallow that one, say miscommunication, whatever. Boy, when a uh, a coach he's losing it, man. He's losing it. When a coach who is established as Dabo is going to those lengths for self preservation, yep, that is throwing his players under the bus. Which look, Dabo has plenty of flaws, but he has never been a guy to shit on his players to avoid dealing with the criticisms himself. Things are coming unraveled quickly. In Death Valley. No, this is a guy who admitted that, you know, in college he slept with his mom in the right. same bed. And like, and I feel more, much more embarrassed for him about this other stuff because it, and it reminded me of Mac once again in 2010, where you've had this grasp and Mac had it for longer and it goes away and you're frustrated. And, you know, which is why you've always been like, dude, you're cool with Mac. I'm like, yeah, because I understand that like a lot of the stuff were times where he was in his bad spot, right? I wouldn't want anyone who knew me like in a year or two year span where I wasn't as happy as I am now to totally judge me on that spot. By know? the same token, Mac and his ego did fuck up the future of Texas football. Totally agree. There, the, yeah, it, it's complicated. It's like, you know, like, I mean, it really is in most things in life, but yeah. yeah um, but Dabo is, I mean, the fact that he, he would have had Keon Coleman, who's at Florida state as an all American who wanted to go to Clemson, but we're not taking transfer portals. It's like, bro, I'm not even saying you have to be super aggressive like UT and the schools that are really turning shit around right away are and have been. But at least if someone knocks on your door, right, and she's a nine and you're single, go ahead and, you know, or maybe you're Mormon and you've got three other girlfriends. But, like, invite her in. He's going to have probably to do that. So, well, All right. Other games, so I'm kind of going through them. Um 
So Notre Dame Clemson will be fun. Texas A&M Old Miss. Man, have you seen Kiffin trolling AM and Jimbo? Oh my goodness. Uh, Dude, he is he's kind of a douchebag and probably go ahead. Best five and three team in the country. That comments. Yeah, he said he ends off with, yeah. So I heard Jimbo said they want to be bowl eligible, so we can maybe block them from that. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, Lane Kiffin is a character. He's not afraid to go after Nick Saban, so he's certainly not afraid to go after Jimbo. Yeah, Jimbo. Jimbo brings a lot of it on himself too. By the way, Jimbo is a Jimbo is a caricature at this point, and the affectation he's adopted it is rife for somebody like Lane Kiffin, who, you know, for all of his flaws, he does not give a fuck. No, that amuses me to uh to to take all the shots that he can at him. No, it's probably why you and I actually like him, even though we know he's douchey and is probably that guy we talked about earlier when you go on an all-guys vacation in your 40s and there's a couple guys who want to trade up like 19 spring break. That'd probably be Kiffin. Dude, there's some college chicks I was online or, or, you know, or DMing with on this sex chat or social media shit y'all are doing, dating apps. Um that you know, yeah. So you want to meet up? Meet up with them? Do you want to meet up with? Dude, look at them. Yeah, they're hot. Do you want to meet up at forty-five with a couple twenty-two-year-olds, especially with our generational split, which really means like a ninety-three-year-olds meeting a negative hundred and eighteen-year-old? No, we've got nothing to talk about. I can promise you that, Lane. I can promise you that. And if you don't know how to use your memory bank and go beat off in the hotel like most of us 40-year-olds do, then you need to grow up. Wasn't there a rumor that when he was at Alabama, he was hooking up with Saban's daughter, trying to hook up with Saban's daughter? I know you're not the biggest TMZ guy, but that was... No, but, but trust me. I mean, I, yeah, I saw that. But he was the one who had the fake name like trying to hit on like college chicks, right? Oh gosh, what was that nickname? Somebody on the YouTube comments section is going to be able to help us out here. DJ CB, Craig, one of you guys, help us out. What was Lane Kiffin's name? It was, was a classic. It was along the lines of of uh, Ron Mexico. So yeah, Ron Mexico was the herpes name for Vic. It was uh, what was uh, what was Ricky's um Ricky's fake name? Ricky had a fake name. I, I forgot. It's probably why I'm not blocked. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Somebody help us out here, please. I'm looking it up. All right. Joey Freshwater. <laughs> Joey Freshwater, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kiffin was rumored to use the alias Joey Freshwater at bars to conceal his identity as a high-profile college coach. Although those rumors have never been confirmed. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. So, all right. So how you feeling, man? We haven't hit it yet. We can get back to more college football to finish it off. But And by the way, we are. So I got this set up. You know I've known the owner forever. 
and he's a great guy. I don't go there enough because I don't drink beer and I'll get burgers there occasionally, but um, definitely was one of my stomping grounds in college and then even after college. Crown and Anchor, baby, right? What about Crown and Anchor? We are doing the uh, pregame show there. We are? Yep. Sweet. Yeah. When the hell did this come down? Well, the Schultz thing, not on our part, went kaput. Dude, Crown and Anchor is freaking awesome. I love that. It's like everything yeah. else that I've done business with there over the years. But um, yeah. And uh, no, but Crown and Anchor, Craig, Big John, who was at El Patio forever. Rookie, um, you know, my buddy Rookie, like they're all connected. So uh, I was like, hey, man, I'm like, you know, Covert is sponsoring it. They're like, dude, we're going to put a car out there. We want to be out in front of the people. We want to talk to the people. So Covert wanted that. And so I set up BK and Big John today. And uh, yeah, doing pregame there at, from 830 to 1030. They're making breakfast tacos for everyone. Oh, that's awesome. They're opening at probably 8.15. And so go to Crown and Anchor. You can park there. And it's a quick trip. Probably quicker than Schultz. It's equidistant, maybe. But you're coming from a different area. Stop by the Delt House on the way back and tell them Kevin Dunn sent you. Is your name up on the walls there somewhere? Yeah. No, we went, I hadn't been there like in 10 years. And uh, I went by there and there, you know, some drunk guys there, but they listened to all of us. They were all they They were really cool. I was with BK. I think BK may have talked about that. At the Delt house. Yeah. It was like four or five years ago. It's pretty funny. I thought, I thought they had a ban on Jewish guys in that house. Only after the whole Hamas deal. <laughs> Mm. no not true not true well kick ass thank you to crown and anchor for hosting us that is yeah that'll be fun i'm gonna stop spot. i mean it is a spot that uh that you and i have been going to for a lot longer than we were actually legally able to drink there yeah i remember going there as a kid before games i do too i remember golden tea in college like guys were addicted to that they still have it too like i guess for (laughs) No, but you'll see like 42 year old guys get back into it. And the wife with like the two kids, she's dealing with everything. She's like, Hey, Jerry, we, we gotta go. You know, he's like, I'm on 17. She's like, no, we've got kids. Like they're falling asleep, dude. Like I can't carry all this. Good guy. So Craig's a great guy, a big UT guy. So I, I love crown and anchor. And like I said, I mean, I, I'll go there. I'll probably go there and get a fat tire or whatever they have, or probably an Allstat and whatever. Fat tire is what? IPA? You know me. I, I don't fat know. Tire might I don't be, fat tire might be in amber. Amber. I think that's it. Yeah. But they've got a, uh, last time I was in there, they had a great beer selection, a bunch of local taps. Got some other like more recognizable national brands too. Obviously, yeah, that that is a fantastic spot to uh, to hang out before the game. So yeah, that's great news that uh, we are going to get that visibility at Crown yep. and Anchor. Thank you for setting that up, buddy. Yeah, 
No, should be fun. And then also anyone wanting to get a ticket for anything, but especially, especially uh, Kansas State, Texas, Cohen1403 at TicketCity.com and you will get money off because of this show and TSU. Say that one more time, please. Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, 1403 at TicketCity.com. All right, there it is. Were you about to ask me about the World Series? Yeah, like, I'm so happy for you, BK. I put out a tweet. It's funny, the tweet you'll put out. I could put put out, like, some brilliant thought about the stars and everything and how it connects with food and sports. And I'll have, like, three people like it, which... It is great about that, that like your best stuff or what you value isn't what I just threw it out there because I'm watching and see BK on the post game and saw he's doing his Movember thing. So I don't think BK is like a rapist. What's up? So he look like he looks like such a pedo. So he's doing the Movember thing and. After talking to him this morning, I know it was a quick turnaround and they were going to dispensaries, Trey. You know about that? Yeah, um, it's legal in Arizona now, is it? I probably, totally forgot about that. Probably so should be. Like, yeah, my buddies were going to the dispensary right now. We've been drinking. I'm like, dude, it's 930. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, I, you know, that's what you do for like this type of an event. You know, it's like the World Cup in Spain in what was that 2000s where like it was just it was a once in a century type deal this is once every what 53 years and first time mm-hmm. like it's big man i'm i'm happy for you happy for him good to see that uh happy for all my dallas friends and because a lot of y'all put a y'all know pete o'brien you know scott fletcher you know ruben sierra like you you put your time in it's like when you said to me as a Cubs fan, it's like, dude, you put, you know, you earn the stripes, like enjoy it. You know, that's why I don't feel bad about admitting that at 45, I don't have the time, nor would I care to, if I had the time to sit and watch all 162 regular season games and that I'm okay with emotionally investing myself in the team at the right time, which for me at this point is start of the playoffs. And, Again, I peek at box scores and scores in general and the standings to see where the team is and try and have some semblance of who it is that I'm rooting for. Yeah, but quickly, you're also a lot, you're a lot like me that we naturally, it sounds like we're sandbagging, but we naturally think we know less than we do about certain stuff like that. We meaning we follow it more than we think we're following. And that to me is you, even like in April when I'm like, dude, this Rangers team, you got to check them out. I'm watching them. You but were telling me that early and early. I still did not. And you start. also knew we were like, I haven't watched them at all. And then you're like, yeah, so Heim's doing this. I'm like, all right, but you, you like subconsciously follow stuff. I do the same thing. Everybody does with certain things. Like I have friends who be like, dude, I haven't looked at the stock market in a month. Like, oh, really? Because you just gave 10 nuggets. I didn't know about it in the last two weeks. So you're obviously figuring stuff out before you actually know you're doing it. 
box scores have always been one of my favorite things to look at. There's just something so aesthetically pleasing as seeing one of your guys. Oh my God. Look at that line. Five, three, four, oh, six, two, zero on the strikeout. Oh, look at that update. <laughs> look at that updated <laughs> batting average. Jesus, man. I'm not even exaggerating. This is not an overstatement when I tell you one of the best days one of the best moments of my childhood. Now you could argue that it was a sad childhood, but one of the best moments of my childhood was when the Dallas Morning News started updating batting averages and ERAs and all the other statistics that you keep quantitative track of in the box score like USA Today used to be the only newspaper that did. But the Dallas Morning News always had an awesome sports page so they were ahead of the Houston Post, the Houston Chronicle. Don't even get me started on the Statesman or the San Antonio Express News. I believe they were the first after the USA Today to start keeping those updated statistics in the next day box scores. They probably the Tribune, Chicago Tribune, right? Tribune might have, but the the Dallas those were the two best that I got a hold of all the time. My grandma would send down. Uh, Blue and Gold Illustrated and the Tribune to my dad once a month, which he'd pay for. But like, get like we get big shippings of the whole deal. So the Tribune might have been up there too, but the Dallas Morning News was on the early end of that trend, and now everybody does it, of course. But that was so great for me because otherwise, you're looking at the stats, like the AL and NL leaders in the paper, and it would always say through the games of the previous day's date. And so at that point, they could update the stats in real time also. And again, this was before the internet. So it's not like you could just go to a website to learn all this stuff. Yeah. You would the morning newspaper to, to find it out. No, my, my brain played so much better back then. When you did, when you did. When you get the instant gratification I do now. Yeah. When I answer something, they think there's no way I could answer it. And they can look it up at the bar and they're like, dude, I guess drinks are on us. And what'd you say? A foie gras too? Fuck. How the fuck do you know the 82 Texas second baseman? How wouldn't I is the question. Um, but back then it was better because now people can just look stuff up. But if you can, if it, at the end of the day, it's all about retaining. So if you can retain it, it doesn't matter how you learn it. I learned it somewhere. So I, I, I would guess generally it's, it's actually a lot better for me now, now that I play the whole thing out in my head. It's better for you now. I would guess the general memory is worse than it was back in the 1980s and 90s for one, simple, one simple reason of nothing else. The simple reason being you no longer have to remember phone numbers now. Hopefully, most of us are still remembering the most important phone numbers in case of emergency, and you don't what have. Was your, what, what was your home phone number? Uh, my home phone number. Growing up, uh, it was. Uh, it wasn't even a two one four. It was or actually it would have been a nine seven two. It was four one eight seven six seven three. And most everybody in my neighborhood was a four one six number, but we were four one eight seven six seven three. What was Why yours? Was that? Um, we were we were later in getting to the neighborhood, so I'm guessing they had run out of four one six numbers. God, wow. in the area, we were still five. Everybody was five five one two three two seven sixteen thirty one. 
Hmm. Um, I can give you Ryan Dimbos. I can give you Bob Crawford's 512-263-5001, 512-263-2357 for the home number. I still remember your old cell phone number, 809-4558. Yeah, it's still one of my codes at a lot of the delivery <laughs> spots. So I appreciate you throwing that out there, asshole. Look, not everyone, you know, look, Ginny doesn't want to hear from everyone, okay? <laughs> and then, uh, was that something where you lost that number because LHN took it away from you when you left there? Motherfuckers, I can't believe they would do that. A bunch of homos. <laughs> I don't, I, I mean that, I mean that like 87 term. I, I've got probably multiple gay friends that may watch this so but you know it's funny they use that shit more than anyone i know yeah or you could just watch the comedic stylings of shane gillis he, he just calls everything gay and yeah everyone's all right with it well i mean what i don't like about it if it does lead to any homophobic acts because we don't need that we don't need any ick acts for is acts mark norman's homophobic, anti-Semitic, anti-anything. Like just fucking treat people well, you know? But also have fun and laugh a little bit. Mark Normand had a good line in his recent Netflix stand-up special that is along these lines, but has to do with the uh, calling something, this is just me saying it now, I'm not calling anything retarded, but calling something retarded which is a, a word that does still get people in trouble. We've seen a recent example of it. But it is actually a real technical term that got hijacked to the point where it probably was offensive or hurt people that you certainly don't want to hurt, right? I mean, but retarded does mean to be slowed down. Like it, that was that's an old English Merriam term. If you want to look at it. Well, his point is I'd never call somebody special needs that, but I'd call my dumbass friend that if he did something really stupid right yeah yeah which is why i said homos um that i'm not talking about people that really are into the same sex so last night was the culmination of a fascinating october run for this texas rangers team right they don't lose a single road game i will continue to be amazed every time i say that for the rest of my life that they went undefeated on the road and played far more road games, by the way, than they did home games because they weren't the home team in a series until this series. And they split in Arlington this series and went 3-0 and on the road. But they went 11-0 and on the road. And there were just so many tense but fun moments that oftentimes led to the Rangers winning the game. Now, there were also examples of them taking gut punches, like that Altuve homer in game five that a lot of people buried the Rangers at that point. I didn't have a ton of faith that the Rangers could pull it off after that, but they did, and they went up, end up winning the last two games in Houston, and then you got some more dramatic moments in this series, starting with game one, Seager hitting that game-tying homer in the ninth, Garcia winning it a few innings later just getting really, really good pitching performances 
out of some starters, but also the bullpen cleaning its act up, which by the way, the bullpen thing is interesting because the entirety of the bullpen for the Rangers was terrible and also shaky at times in the postseason too. But looking at team bullpen ERA is a lot like looking at free throw percentage for a team during March Madness or March Madness back when college basketball mattered. That team free throw percentage doesn't matter nearly as much as the percentage of your top ball handlers, right? Because those are the guys who are going to be going to the line pressure. Great, great comparison. Great analogy. And so the Rangers' top three bullpen arms, especially once Sabortz got his shit back together, was not as big a catastrophe. Did you say Sabortz? Spores. Spores. Sabaros. I mean, he served great pizza in malls back in the day. I'm, I'm never going to get that name right. Well, it was a great office when the office was still good. And and Michael goes to New York City. And he's like, this is my New York City pizza place right here. Like, like I'd be out in front of you in front of John's on 6th Ave or, you know, some place in Brooklyn or uh, any of the spots I tip you to. Or it's like, this is not, you know, this is a local chain. That was funny. That was a good show, man. It was up to a point. Like four or five years. Steve Carell left and it went downhill pretty quickly. Yep. Even though they tried to get guys like uh, like Will Ferrell more involved. Yeah, the show just... I never watched. I, I stopped watching the last year with Carol. You know me. I'm very British with this. And I usually get off the Titanic before it sinks. So, Yeah. Sometimes but- it's too early, but I can always go back and rewatch that video. Of the Titanic, Titanic floating for another day when I had gotten off. So the the top three bullpen arms were Zbors. Is that it? Zbors? Zbors, yeah. Who I told you was your most high leverage guy. Chapman. Guess who they fucking kept out there, including LeClerc. I do do wonder if LeClerc is dealing with something minor because typically in that situation, you will still see the closer go out there for the final couple of outs, but he was rolling and you don't question what Bruce Bochy wants to do with with his pitching staff. Bruce Bochy could put you in there left-handed when you're acting like he threw left-handed and actually threw pretty well left-handed for not being a left-hander, like a real left-hander. Was that left or right? I always get confused with you because you throw both. Exactly. Oh, God. That was eyes wide shut weird. <laughs> but when um, you look at just Josh Chapman and LeClerc, it paints a much different picture. And they were fortunate. God, he's turned into Bob Greasy where he can't say he can't say Greasy, so he says Brian, and he starts calling every quarterback by their first name. You know, and um, – Antoine, who's a good Midwest buddy of mine. Um, For some reason, I I struggle to say Jalen Daniels when I'm talking about the soon-to-be former Kansas quarterback. So I've just said Daniels all year long because I want I'm inclined to say Jaden Daniels, even though I know that's the LSU quarterback. Hey, you got a thumbs up. Who's that from? Doing that right now. Somebody has got a DBK. UBK. Yeah, because you gave Kansas. That's why. Oh, there's the lasers. Oh, man. You look better. And there we go. Balloons. Can I get balloons, BK? Balloons. 
That is great, actually. You remind me of an 80s video when I see that. Like, I'm just waiting for you to go down the freezer. Was that? Take on me. Remember, like, in a grocery store in the freezer and it, like, turned into that? This? That, was, that blew my mind growing up. This? Yeah. Aha, take on me. The video oh. on TV. Yeah. They were in a grocery store and they're like going down the freezer aisle and it turned into that. It's like, like 1980s on 1980s Narnia. Oh, enter awesome. a video on MTV. And you go into the freezer. Take on <laughs> me. Look, as far as last night when when goes, like it was fun and I was happy. And I yelled loudly when Simeon I, hit that two-run shot in the ninth. Is there a butt coming? Only you could have a butt here. No, everything and just keep on going. And I want the energy to level up. When and I watched the post-game show for 45 minutes afterwards. I have it taped. Which I never do. Did you tape it? Yes, but. Last night was also a reminder for me, Kevin. And you know what's coming because you and I texted last night. Last night was a great reminder oh, that I feel this existential joy in watching my teams win championships that a lot of other people do. And I'm certainly not saying that I'm in the right here. I'm more mature than you. No, it's just some broken part of my brain. And I only know that because this it's age, it's age, man. No, the same feeling came over me though with the Texas Longhorns back in 2005, which I was more emotionally invested in throughout the course of the season. But an hour after that game, it was like, all right, that's done. That's box checked now, bucket list item checked. I got to watch this team win a championship, and life goes on. And like, it it's been fun to talk about it a little it bit. A lot it's been fun story. to think about collecting that $7,000 in Vegas here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So hold on. You never told me about this. This is where Trey and I won't talk about shit. I didn't, maybe you did and I wasn't listening. Um, but you fucking, you, I don't think we did. So explain this to the people. Like you put a bit, when were you in Vegas again? I think I remember that. I wasn't in Vegas. BK was in Vegas back in March and said, do you want me to put any bets down for you? He was there for the first weekend of March Madness. And so I said, yeah, throw 100 down on this three-game parlay, which, of course, the first game didn't land. The other two did, but the first game didn't, so that bet was dead on arrival. So and he's I getting said, at least 20% of this, right, as a traveler and finder's fee. Fuck no. I paid him his 100 bucks. Was that the deal? The deal was he's getting me a ticket. I paid him the hundred bucks. He was there. It doesn't happen without him. He's Danny Glover and Lonesome Dove. He's scouting. He's ahead. He got killed by the Comanches. He offered. He offered. He didn't put any stipulations on placing the bet for him. As a matter know, of fact, I'm telling you, of course he wouldn't. You need to be a good guy here and chip off a little. As a matter of fact, he tried to talk me. Uh, he, he didn't overtly talk me off of the World Series ledge, but I said, put 100 bucks on the Rangers winning the World Series. And he's like, the Texas Rangers? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, are you sure? And I said, you know what? Let's just go. 
making the playoffs. And I said, you know what? No, it's a hundred dollars. I'm expecting to lose regardless. Yeah. And the, the biggest reason why I did it, by the way, was them was Chris Young talking Bruce Bochy out of retirement. Like I like the moves that they had made up to that point, but I'm like, Bruce Bochy gives this team a chance. I so said, when you, you make this bet again, wouldn't he for you, which is why you should pay him a little bit. Mid-March. And the that odds time crazy on a hundred dollar bet were seventy to one. <laughs> so you're bringing home seventy grand or oh, seven thousand? I mean, I wish it was seventy grand. Yeah, 70, seven thousand. I, I didn't mean. Or seventy so. grand. This would be a very different conversation. I probably yeah. would be giving him some money. Yeah, but se- yeah, seven um, seven thousand is still pretty fucking good, man. Um, especially with that type of bet, and like you are, yeah. I mean, just take 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 all of us out. Well, I never go to Vegas either. The fact that we're going to invite them to Uchiko whenever uh, you take me there because you owe me that for a bet. I do owe you Uchiko. I'm not letting you out of that. I'm not letting you out of that. We're doing that, and I'll probably split it with you. So we're good. Yeah, you know I'm happy to to pay off my bets. Yeah, but but Trey not even paying off bets. Trey's one of those guys who reminds me of my dad. I think I'm there, but not at not at y'all's level. Y'all are like subversive in trying to pay for meals when everyone's like, "Hey, it was my turn." Or you and I are close enough now. We've had times where I'm like, "Is it yours or mine?" And one of us will kind of remember, and and sometimes it's you where I'll be like, "Oh, wait a minute, it's me." You're like, "I think so." I'm like, "Yeah, it's me." Dude, or you'll just, be like, hey, it's you. And I'm like, well, I guess someone remembers. There's only been one time that, that your dad was upset with me. And this is actually more Justine's doing than my doing. I wouldn't have in Chicago, this. right? I re- yeah, because I realized this was stepping stepping outside of uh, of what is typically acceptable. But we had gotten together with you guys after your grandmother's funeral, which is his mom's funeral. And it was a big gathering, and Justine threw down our card to pay for the drinks yeah. that were had over the course of several hours. Your dad was fucking pissed. Yeah, and like me and my that sister, was, we're gonna yeah. take care of that. So like, I mean, you beat like three people to the punch. So like, it was one of those where I had been working to get in front of my dad on that, and then. Yeah, I mean, that's why you and my dad are, which is a great problem to have. It's like, be that guy over the guy who's alligator arms with every meal that comes in. You're, you're, you're not going to die. You're not going to take any of this money with you. But so, then your you know, dad yeah. is like, you take care of the next, their next uh, check for the meal that you guys have. And you let me. Yeah, I know. Uh, that was fun. That That's, uh, <laughs> uh, what was that? What's his fucking name? Charlie Trotter, right? Charlie Trotter, right before he offed himself. His Two, two to three star, two to three Michelin starred restaurant. I know, because I was hoping there was brains on the menu. Too. Yeah, and I wanted to go after because I was hoping there was brains on the menu. But um, yeah, no. He, now, was, that a part, was that a part of the eating experience? That that was good. That was overpriced and overrated. Oh, what you and I agreed. And we had yeah. their fucking sports coats in there. Yeah. And Chicago has plenty of places that aren't so three people with wine. You know what that was with tip, which is included, which is, and I gave more. I want to say it was like in the 1100 to 1200 range. Yeah. People not worth it. Not worth it. 
I agree. I'm done getting the put that in a fucking treasury bond. What uh, like whatever. I'm done wherever I go. I'm done getting the wine pairings with the uh, menu at a at a place like that. Not that I go to these sorts of places a ton, but we've been a couple times in the last two years. And I swear to you, the wine pairing menu has nothing to do with how the wine tastes or how it pairs with the food. It is all about the backstory now about how this wine beat the odds is this underdog grape that wasn't supposed to be turned into wine but somehow it was and now here it is on your table costing entirely too much money like i don't care that a gaggle of hobos came to this vineyard and masturbated all over the picked grapes and these grapes were looked at as ruined but then they were left out there and then they started actually I, I actually do do care about that if that's a detail in the grapes that I'm drinking. Mm, it has <laughs> hobo calm. No, you don't you don't care about that. This grape was grown on a cliffside where you can't even grow grapes. We don't know how these grapes grew, but lo and behold, there was a batch of grapes and we turned it into a wine. Wow, really? Because it tastes like grapes that have no business being turned into wine. And yet you're charging an, an exorbitant amount at this restaurant where the food is already too expensive. And the fucking wine doesn't go with the food either. So fuck you. That's my problem. I mean, even when I go to fancy places, which I don't very often, if I go to Dean's, I sit at the bar. If I go to Uchiko, I sit at the bar. If I go to any spot, I sit at the bar. And I get a la carte and let me pick with what y'all do. I I'll, I know damage will be done, but I'm not going to let it be done in a group pairing like that, like any chef tastings men, menu, maybe omakase, but I don't want that, man. Let me go to let me go to a spot and say, this is what I want. If I want 12 fucking unis and 12 fucking foie gras and, and one escalar, that's what I want, okay? So let, let me use paying an exorbitant amount and doing this once in a while as a gift to myself for fucking working hard and dealing with all the bullshit that you deal with in life. And I'm not even married with kids and I deal with that stuff all day. So we all do. So gift yourself a little bit, but make sure it's you and not, not some artistic genius telling you what their palate thinks your palate needs. Yeah. Cause the reality is, is that person is in training to be a sommelier or maybe they are a sommelier, but their taste is their taste. Their taste doesn't cover it for everybody. And again, yeah. a lot of the people in this line of work are much more infatuated with the story they get to tell than the wine they get to serve. It's yep. a steal. It's why a lot of them are part-time performers, <laughs> either actors or in this town, stand-up comedians now. Like they are looking to give their spiel and they're fine-tuning their spiel to see just how many people they can get to believe their bullshit. Which is also, you know, I was going through it and I had a couple friends, including an ex-girlfriend who texted me who watches, so great. Um, this is like years ago, though. So, like, we're, we're super cool. She's like, no, I got you to dress up after college. So apparently there are a couple women who got me. But it, for me, 25, 26 is the same thing as 22. What'd you dress up as? Huh? What'd you dress up as? I don't know. I'll have to text her back, but she was just 
calling me out on it. I'm like, well, I think that was the last one. I wouldn't like absolute about it, but I don't dress up a bunch. She's like, oh no, it was a challenge. She was like challenged to get you there. So pretty pumped up about that. But um, no, there are. One of the last times I dressed up, it was when I was dating this hipster in Chi-Town, drink up. And I was 31 at the time and they were all in their mid to late 20s. And I already felt like the old guy, but it was like dress up as as uh, somebody you admire. And so I tried to dress up as Larry David. And man, it, it did not come across like Larry David. It came across like somebody who was who just looks 75 years old. <laughs> I think I saw that. <laughs> the pictures are terrible, dude. And I was uh <laughs> But that's kind of what you're looking for, right? It is, but it it, it came I, I looked more like a skinny Ben Franklin than I did Larry David, like in terms of the bald cap and how everything else looked. And I had the glasses going on that, you know, I do remember that. No, it was more Ben Franklin. That was the beginning of the end for us because I was already too old. Like most of her friends didn't like me for a variety of reasons, including the fact that I was a little bit too old for them. And so that was, uh, things went downhill pretty quickly after that. Yeah. We've gotten into everything. What was I talking about? There was something I wanted to wrap up there, but you got into Ben Franklin and Larry David, which is a great picture. So Find that at some point and show that to all the people. At least you were talking about a girlfriend who listens to the show who was telling you that you had dressed up. Oh, yeah. No. So apparently I dressed up. So I do apologize about that. But uh, we've got a lot of people listening. So it's been uh, been definitely. There's something else. Yeah, there's something else. We're not in you. Getting your own sushi. Yeah. Lost Pretty it. Tied all those all up. Yeah, you think we're stoned right now. We're just tired. But. I, I interrupted you. I'm I'm not stoned right now. I would happily admit to you if I was, but no, I'm I'm I was saying you, you would think we are stoned right now, but yeah. um maybe later. Yeah. All right. So what what else with college football before we wrap up here? Um, because it is a pretty good weekend. We talked about so Texas AM old miss. You taking old miss in that? Yeah, I think so. Missouri at Georgia. Are you buying Missouri at all? I was gonna ask you about this one. I have no good feel for this game because I really haven't watched either of these teams a ton. I've watched Georgia a little bit, and just when everybody expected them to uh continue to look pretty middling, they've actually looked pretty good these last couple of weeks, including against Florida last weekend. Do you think Missouri can hang in this game at all? No. Maybe, maybe early. Georgia's been a slow starter, but no. I mean, Georgia, even without Brock Bowers, is kind of hitting their – seem to be hitting a stride there, which is pretty good. And um, and they're you – know, as I mentioned, they're not as dominant up front when you lose the rookie of the year in Jalen Carter. By the way, that was so obvious. Like the fact that he slid because of, you know, the driving thing's not good, but come on. Um, They're not as good there, but they're still really good by almost all metrics outside of red zone defense. But that can get back into the numbers like we talked about earlier. So George is favored by 15. I'd probably take them. That's probably pretty close to the line and probably win by two touchdowns. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Does Oklahoma State win this and then really have the driver's seat? Moving forward, I think Oklahoma State does win this game. Yeah, 
I think that people are going to be really fired up in Stillwater. And Oklahoma hasn't been playing great these last couple of weeks now. They escaped an upset against UCF a couple weeks ago. And then they flat out lost to Kansas last weekend. And that is a result of Kansas being good running the football. Jason Bean wasn't even all that great in that game. Right. But Devin Neal was. And all of Ollie Gordon is as good a running back right now as Devin Neal. So I think Oklahoma State asserts itself on the ground. And it makes things a little bit easier for Alan Bowman at quarterback for the Cowboys. So, yeah, I do have Oklahoma State pulling off what is a, what would be a six-point upset right now, according to Vegas. What about you? Um, so you have Oklahoma State winning that or just taking the points? Winning. Winning. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, right now I would probably take Oklahoma State um, at home, last rivalry. I just don't trust Oklahoma that much. And exactly. I have the same problems with Texas in certain spots. So certainly secondary uh, or run game or run blocking. But yeah, I mean, I, I I would definitely take Oklahoma State in the points. It'll probably be a, you know, because you give three at home, a within three type game. And that can go either way. Um, Kansas, Iowa State should be pretty interesting too. Like you said, good Big 12 week. Yeah, I'm taking the under in Kansas, Iowa State. I don't even know what it is right now, but I don't think 54. there's going to be a ton of – 54, wow. So one team scores 28, the other one gets to 25. If you hit the under, yeah, I don't think either team is getting to 28 in that game. I think that um, – I don't know who I have winning it either. I'm inclined to say Kansas, but I, I really don't know how they're going to respond on the road. I think it depends on if Jason Bean can can uh, can get his shit together and play better than he did against Oklahoma last week. Kansas' biggest win in forever. This screams Iowa State wins this closely. Good call. What about Washington USC? Do you give the Trojans a shot in this one, even though this game is in SoCal? I'd give a shot, but I think Washington probably wins. I would take Washington and the three that they're giving up on that. I, you know, Penix has not been good lately. They felt like they've had a dip, but USC has been such a sieve defensively, and their offensive line are just a bunch of punks, man. I mean, you say punks, they these guys are just not physical. They can't do much. So Washington will be able to assert their will, I think, and it's also. That's the other problem. We've had it with Texas. When you're USC and you've got weak spots, they don't care. Like they're coming in, even if they're the favorite, to beat the shit out of you. LSU Bama. Bama's three point favorites at home right now. Yeah, LSU Bama. Um, game. Man, guys, it really is a great weekend. Um, this should be a lot of fun. LSU Bama, I really don't know. I mean, part of me wants to take LSU, but their defense has gotten better at times. But I still don't trust Kelly in big games for obvious reasons. But also this specifically this LSU team. I mean, Jaden Daniels has been as he could be a Heisman guy because there is no Heisman guy right now. Well, he, he exceeded my expectations as a thrower. I did not think that he would be this good as a passer this year. I didn't either. And Neighbors is the best receiver with Marvin Harrison. Neighbors is rates out PFF's number one guy and mm. almost any metric. Like he is, he's a stud. But Bama, you know, Milrow's gotten a lot better. 
And Milrose, you know, the intermediate game is still never going to be his strong suit, but they've set up deep balls and they're getting all three of the guys. Burton obviously won, but Bond and Prentice involved, getting the tight end involved. Um, the offensive line is their biggest question mark and really how they play. But at Bama, I'll take Bama. The three, though, it's probably right around there. I don't think I'd touch it. Hmm. What about you? I'm inclined to go Alabama because the game is in Tuscaloosa and I just don't trust Brian Kelly in a scenario like this, but it's oftentimes in those seemingly obvious moments that you need to go the other way because Vegas knows something that you don't. So ultimately if it were real money, I'd stay away, but I'm, I'm probably going LSU in my picks with BK tomorrow because uh, I feel too confident about Alabama covering the three. It's probably the way to go. Um, but should be a good week, man. Um, we've got NFL. What's tonight? Tonight is Steelers Titans. Will Levis will be starting again for Tennessee. Did okay. you guys end up getting him? No. Finish mm. second. Mm. Um, but yeah, smart kid, like really smart family. Mom was Penn, I believe. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, if you're doing, if you're an agent or if you're a financial guy doing that, like you take any quarterback you can get, it's like, what if he's a backup? What if he's a backup and is of sound mind and makes that type of money for 11 years and then goes on to be partner of HPI after that and makes 3 million a year after. Yeah. I, that's, uh, that's actually ideal for what you're looking for mm -hmm. not agent but money money person but yeah levis was uh definitely definitely a good good kid hey let me give a quick shout out to apple leasing and appleleasing.com talked about it they are uh i've known scott frosset for for going on we actually talked with i was thinking about it we've actually known each other for about 20 years Really good guy. Uh, if you're leasing and leasing right now, honestly, for me is the way to go. It may not be for you. If it's not, go to Covert. If it is, then Apple leasing is the spot to go to. Really good people. They give you a ton of options and you can give them a price, which is great. So just tell them, hey, this is the price I want. This is what I want to spend. What can I drive? Or you can give them, obviously, a uh, car and then say, or a type and say, this is what I want and go from there. Really good people, 346-9977, 346-9977 or appleleasing.com. Tell them that Trey and Kevin sent you and they'll give you some love. We good? Yep. What do you got tonight, man? Soccer practice here in about 20 minutes. Yeah. What do y'all do at soccer practice? I mean, it's just kids just flying around, like not doing much. Oh, I, I don't know. I'm staring at my phone the entire time. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kids. You know, they run them through drills, passing drills, shooting on the goal. They do some conditioning stuff. And in a practice, so Calvin's practice is on Tuesday and Vivi is usually on Thursday, but because Halloween was on Tuesday this week, they're both on Thursday. But during Vivi's practices, it's usually Calvin and me, they're kicking the soccer ball around or throwing the football around. 
So I'm going to have to figure out a way to uh, occupy my time before we go grab a late dinner after that. Good for you mixing in a real sport with Calvin. Well, got to try. No, soccer's good, man. Anything where they're running and getting exercise, building team, even if it's at that age, that's a good thing. Yeah, well, unfortunately, real soccer is not like video game soccer, but kids' soccer is a little bit more fun because you get a lot of goals. Yeah. And as I told the hipster at the coffee shop the other day who was highly offended about this, my kids are decent, so it makes it a little bit less excruciating week to week. Right. And that's it. All right, buddy. I'm going to go eat. Day on Texas Sports Unfiltered. I will talk to Dude, you. We, we were all over the place today. Yeah, this was a uh, this was a scatterbrain show, but in a good way. Yep. It's always from my, fun, my friend. I'll talk to you uh, away from a microphone here pretty soon. Sounds good. Y'all be good. Love you, brother. Thanks to everybody for watching and listening today. Subscribe to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Download the free app and tune in tomorrow starting at 8 a.m. And remember, Ricky Williams live from Covert Bee Cave tomorrow. That begins at about 1130. So make sure you show about there if you can. Bucky will be there. There will be free food from Smokey Moe's and uh, Parillos. Um, Verdes, excuse me, uh, Mexican Parilla. And uh, BK and I will be doing our show from 12 to 1. Hard for you to consume that one unless you're on the uh, the floor, the dealership floor. We're actually uh, locked away in a room. They keep us out of sight during the show itself, but we can't wait to entertain you folks. Again, starting bright and early tomorrow at 8 a.m. with Bucky and BK right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered.